The Friday GAA Podcast, with thanks to GAA Go, official home for live and on-demand GAA match streaming worldwide. Goal on here, goal chance for Conor McGrath, and surely give it in, Conor. Look back in sporting history, you'll see that the Whingers and the Whiners are forgotten. The characters remembered briefly will stick in your mind at the champions who showed car. I want nothing to do with that, to be quite honest. You know, I think it's a disgrace. A small change before the game, work the street. It is Friday, so it is time for the Friday GA podcast. With thanks to GA Go and of course our GA sponsors and off the ball, Borgosh Energy, proud sponsors of the All Ireland Under Twenty One Hurling Championship. Dave McIntyre is in the room today alongside Tommy and Owen. Good afternoon, gents. How's How it are going? You? Well, fellas. Um, four games this weekend. It's probably the easiest weekend to deal with in terms of the fixture list. Certainly in comparison to last weekend, when there was just a whole heap of games, three provincial finals, a whole rake of qualifiers. Um, we probably don't have the time to go through everything that happened last weekend. So I'm going to ask you guys to pick one major thing that struck you above all else Owen from the multitude of games that we watched a week ago well, obviously uh, Cavan's defeat notwithstanding yeah of course that's the one that hurt the most <laughs> needless to say um, Cavan. it's got to be Clare doesn't it Clare getting through to the last 12 of the football championship <laughs> I, I know people looked at them early in the year as potential as a team that could potentially cause an upset but I think the fact of actually seeing them there one game away from Croke Park it's just a really nice thing to see and I, I think it was just that moment and I was like, we actually have Clare footballers mm. in, in the real business end of the championship and at that moment I was like, right, the qualifiers this year have won. They've really won. It's been a really, really great summer um, which a lot of people have been talking about this week as well including ourselves on the show. Um, the other thing that, that might have struck me as well uh, in a more, um, I suppose, specific uh, basis was simply Galway's midfield because we talked about it on this podcast before and uh, before the first game in the Connacht final and how that might actually wreak havoc with Ross Common. didn't happen the first day. It happened at the weekend. And it's kind of nice, uh, a little bit of satisfaction off that to see that happen so many times and you're like, oh, we call that. Are Galway and Clare, is that the, the battle for the two most improved sides of 2016? I mean, has any side made more strides than Clare well, today? Think, think about this with Galway, getting right? Getting into a division, they're Division 2 team. <clears throat> this is the Clare footballers. And now they are a quite winnable yeah. game away from an All-Ireland quarterfinal. Well, Colin Collins has been building something there for the last <clears throat> little while. And it's been coming. Um, for them, if, if they get through this game and like the Rosses are wounded, it's a six-day turnaround, they get the Crow Park. That is some achievement for oh, Clare. It's incredible. To get, it's unbelievable. Getting back to Croke Park, what, three months after they were last there? But on Galway, they've just lost two competitive games this year between the FBD League, the League and the Championship. Yeah, like, they didn't get enough credit for some of their league performances. I think they left they, a few drew, points behind. Yeah, them, they drew they? a couple of games, you know. Yeah, and, and only for a, a meek enough display in the last 20 minutes against Cavan, they were up. Yeah, oh was, yeah, you know, absolutely. That, that was the game. That would have made them a Division Kevin 1 Kevin Walsh has done an absolutely superb job. He he's, he's added serious steel. He's got the midfielders playing the way they have to play. He's got his forwards operating with confidence. You know, Danny Cummins has been on the intercounty team for years, mm. and you've never trusted him. I heard read this just, morning he used to be known as Crossbar Cummins 
the amount of goal chances yes, that he missed. Really. I know. <laughs> like, like it's really interesting what you say there about the reasons for their improvement. Not one of those reasons is, oh, they got one of these new players in who came up from the underage mm. side. And I know they had a really good under-21 team that won the All-Ireland a few years ago. But the five debutants, none of them were won an under-21 exactly. All-Ireland. But it's incredible. There's so many footballers in Galway, though. Uh, yeah, that, like uh, Walsh even earlier, sorry, Walsh earlier this year was, was lamenting the fact that 52 players had turned him down in the 18 months since he took over the job. That's Seems true. like a rather spurious figure to me. Of but. course, but like, think <laughs> about it. The quality of football, like, how many lads like that aren't there? You could pick an inter-county team of Galway footballers right now, no problem whatsoever, that aren't there at the yeah. minute. Like, I don't think we've ever doubted their quality. And mm. it's just what... There's always been a kind of flakiness there. Yeah, it's just what Walsh has got this group of players doing, which has really transformed them. I don't think it's... Of course, it's been down to the players themselves and their skill levels. But I think that has always been there. I did hear them uh, being described in such lazy terms last weekend. As, you, know, you know, Galway, no, once they get out of Connacht, once they get them into Croke Park, they're a different animal completely. You know, they can do anything in the day in Croke Park. <laughs> really? When was the last time they won a game in Croke Park? I like the fact that he put on a Kerry accent for that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was just a generic uh, country accent I was putting on. <laughs> on. They haven't won in their last 10 games. I know they Croke haven't. Park. I know yeah. they haven't. But last year against Kerry, they were quite good in Croker. And they did look very good. But I don't think... The, it was 20, 2014, wasn't it, against Kerry? Oh, sorry, yeah, 2014. Yeah. They but, were grand, but at no stage, we had that game live and off the ball, at no stage did they look remotely capable of beating Kerry. When Flinner got that goal in the first half? Even then, I thought. And it was a great goal, like the, the Kerry, the green and gold sea just part probably They probably showed their potential that day. Like Shane Walsh showed how classy a footballer I remember I was in the Hogan stand that day and Walsh sold a dummy on his right and Swang went over with his left over by the sideline. It was just a gorgeous score. And that's what they're capable of. They need more but than Walsh, that from the Shane system, Walsh, don't they? 100%. Absolutely. But, but the system that Walsh has them playing now like you would not have noticed against Mayo that they had two debutants in the full back line, one in goals mm-hmm. because everybody was back working. You had your half forwards and like Walsh, fair enough, he needs to add more in attack but that man is doing serious work breaking from the half back line. He's a brilliant carrier of the ball God, and he's spraying he in lovely passes. He's a gorgeous runner <coughs> with the ball. He must be the most deceptively quick player I've seen in years. He yeah. doesn't actually look like he's running fast. Do, do you know but I'd love to know what his, uh, his stride span is. Yeah, it must real. be two or three metres. You know Every love? step he takes, he's another two or three yards down the field. Bold desk. When the man takes a solo, right, it's as if the ball is suspended in the air yeah. for a moment. And he, his body doesn't really move and the defender kind of goes for it and he just drives by yeah, him then. It's, it's he brilliant the way he does it. As well. I'd love to see him really take a game by the scruff of the neck. It, I could talk about Galway all day, to be honest. Can I give you my moment of the weekend? I was just going to ask you for it. I'm just gonna I'm gonna pick the Ulster final. And now I know it was such a, a difficult game to watch for so much of it and you know, Pete McGrath said it last night, if you weren't a neutral or if you were a neutral and you weren't, you know, invested in the game, it was horrible to watch at times. But my God, the skill level in the last ten minutes. Like that is what we have. Like that is the type of players we have in this country. Like I do not understand how Sean Kavanagh, at thirty two, thirty three years of age, got that ball in the forty five in the sixty ninth minute. Barrel through five Donegal men, had the strength in his legs to drive through another 10 yards and drive that ball over the bar. Like, Peter Hart to have the temerity to take mm. that shot on with the outside of his left boot, 60, Ridiculous. 57, 58 Even yards out. McGeary's point has been forgotten about because of the quality of the previous two. Even when, it's when you watch the last 10 minutes of that game, and I was neutral as well watching it, and I watched it Monday morning. Yeah. Uh, I, I sat down and watched the entire game. I, watched I actually too. loved all of it. But... When you hear some of the former players talking about the way the game is difficult to watch nowadays and that when they played in the 70s and 80s and 90s, ah. it was 15 on 15, there was nothing of that quality. Nothing. 
and I've been watching football for a lot longer than you boys have. Yeah. I, my first All-Ireland was the 86 All-Ireland. There was nothing like that on show. There weren't fellas kicking scores like Peter Hart kicked. There weren't fellas kicking scores like Sean Cavan kicked. Because none of them, even the best players in the country, even Pat Spillane, the most, one of the most skillful players we've ever seen, they, they just didn't have it in their armour. Really, yeah. It, football has been well, played like th- that was the at greatest. a far higher standard now than it ever was. Like the intensity and what was on the line in that game, like that was the greatest 10 minutes of football that I've witnessed. That was like, fantastic. It was it's phenomenal. just a pity that we didn't see more of it on the day. If you have the time and you, if you have the resources, aka a Sky Plus box full of recorders, provincial finals, watch the last 10 minutes of that game and then go back and watch the last 10 minutes of the drawn Connacht final. Because you talk about temerity, mm. but I actually just call it pure balls or self-confidence. It absolutely is. Like Ross Common, like, which was, without a shadow of a doubt, the most frustrating GEA moments for me in a long, long time, was watching them with the ball inside Galway's 45 And not going for it. Not going for the point. The time was up. They hand-passed around. They made four hand-passes before the ref blew it up. Peter Hart was, he was outside the 45, wasn't yeah. he, when he when he struck that. Sean Kavanagh was at a, a completely acute angle. Mm. And uh, the the final point, McGeary... Uh, like, Slang it over with his left. He was only on the field. That was probably the, the lesser of the three points. But if that was the winning points ah, and the other two didn't happen, you would have said that's a stunning, stunning score. But the thing about there was common goal again, that first game, and it was spoken about the, the narrative of the week after was fear was the word. Well, look, I think, yeah, just to wrap this part of the conversation up, tell me you're right. Like, I don't think it's fair to equate that last couple of minutes of the Tyrone game with the Ross Common game because you've Why? got a Tyrone team that are full of All-Ireland minor winners, All-Ireland under-21 winners, a Tyrone team that have made two of the last three All-Ireland Backed by Mickey Hart as well. And they've got a Mickey Hart as the manager who's coached the game to the three All-Ireland finals. A Ross Common team we haven't played in this Connacht final since in six years, and I know Tyrone hadn't played in six years either. But at the same time, I understand the fear that we you knew the time was up. But those Ross Common players on that field in the piss and rain, they do not having clawed their way back from the two point deficit where it looked like they were definitely beaten. I don't blame them for not having the ambition or the the bottle to go for that imagine, final score. Imagine Donny Shine tried a speculative shot. And it landed into a goalie man's hand and he broke up the field. He'd be the David Ginola of Roscommon. But at least they wouldn't have got a creaming in the second game. But th- yeah, well, yeah, that's, we didn't know that's that then, besides we? that. We don't know Hindsight what is the Roscommon. best thing that's ever existed. <laughs> <laughs> right, we've two games live and off the ball this weekend. We've got Tip Derry. It's a five o'clock throwing up in Kingsman Breffney Park. Oshin Langan is on commentary duty alongside Danny Hughes. And on Sunday... One of my favourite days of the GA calendar, All-Ireland Hurling quarter-final day. That's in Thurles. We have the two o'clock game, Wexford-Waterford. I think it's an intriguing encounter, which we'll get to shortly. Of course, that's part of the double header when Goey take on Clare at four o'clock. So let's start with the qualifiers tomorrow, lads. The first two of the round four qualifying games. Clare Roscommon. I'll be down there on TV duty, three o'clock throwing. This is... I think this is a 50-50 call, this game. I find it very hard to pick a winner when you equate a Division 1 side who you would expect to win the game at a stadium that they know far better than their opponents but are so wounded, these gaping scars from last weekend against a Division 2 side who are seemingly on the run of their lives and in a position that no Clare team has been since Martin Daly and co. back in 92. Can you imagine the soul-searching? And the questions that's been asked in that Roscommon dressing room. What was training like Tuesday night? Well, the question is what was training like the week beforehand? Because they looked absolutely shot in their feet on Sunday. They didn't look as fresh as Galway looked. Like, did they get the recovery wrong during the week? Like, are they going to get it right this week? You know what I mean? Like, to replenish the body, replenish the minds. Like, they took an absolute pummeling. Mm, It was a hiding. 
Just, I've noticed two really big uh, cliches that have been used a lot this week in the build-up to this game. The first one is this idea of momentum, uh, which, like you've already touched on, I think that's a, a big thing. Momentum is not but, a cliche. But the other, momentum's it, like uh, it is a cliche, but it's true. Okay, yeah, cliche is qualifier be related. I get you. Yeah, cliche. you're right. The other, you know, the team with the momentum has all the momentum behind it. Exactly. The other qualifier-related cliche which is less so true, is the dreaded six-day turnaround. I and mean, we've seen this in a lot of places this week. Uh, and I, I actually just looked at all the fixtures uh, this year, this morning, uh, and to see where this dreaded six-day turnaround has existed in the championship this summer. Can you guess how many teams so far have had to play after a six-day turnaround? I think you got the six-day turnaround cliche wrong, though. It's the six-day turnaround of provincial finalists. Provincial that's losers. The, that's, what, that's, that's, the, the that's where it really falls down. That's the stat going that only but three teams in the history of the Derry, qualifiers have come Dublin. back. And down. Donegal, Dublin and down. Donegal, Dublin and yeah. down. But are Sorry. people not using that with Monaghan and Longford? With their loss there? And I don't, that was a seven-day turnaround. People have been using the... Yeah, I think the Monaghan one was a little different in that they had come on the back of two just, like, grueling games against Donegal. It wasn't necessarily, obviously, that there was a provincial final defeat for them to stomach. It would probably felt like losing a provincial final after you've had to go mm. up against them twice and then go out the following week. They just look spent. For example, there's no way there was common that Longford would have beaten Monaghan had Monaghan been beaten by a point the first day. Okay, Grant, point what, taken. What's the point you're making? Uh, Clare are the only team who've played with a six-day <laughs> third round this year uh, when they beat Sligo. Okay, that's yeah. good. Yeah, th- I think this is the, the third week in a row that Clare will have been out. Um, you would think that they're just enjoying the fact that they're playing this many championship games. I was doing some research for the game and I was thinking there'd be a great stat. This is the most amount of championship matches that Clare have played in one summer since. Expecting to have to go way back. They actually played five championship matches in 2014 as well. Okay. But um, that was by dearth of a fact that they had to play at Waterford twice. Yeah. They couldn't get over Waterford in the first game. Then they played Kerry and then they played uh, two qualifiers and lost to Kildare actually in the fourth round of the qualifiers. They were very unlucky that day. There was a, they had a comeback. Just by a point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, they, they do know how to get these some of these qualifier wins <laughs> under their belts. Do you a lot of these guys are now starting to become known. Yeah, you know, you, we knew about David Tuberty, Gary Brennan, and Podge Collins, but we are starting to hear an awful lot more about the dubs in the team. For example, we know Pat Burke would have played championship for Dublin. Young Cleary, um, Cleary's having a wonderful season as well, and people are starting to recognise some of these uh, Clare footballers. Joe Hayes has been in goal for years and yeah. years. I think this is his eleventh year or something. People are starting to give them the credit they're due. Pre Galway, Roscommon's midfield was what we pinpointed that uh, Galway could really get at them: McConroy and Flynn. Gary O'Brien and Carl O'Connor have been having sensational summers. I actually saw Paul Early in his column today refer to them as the two best midfielders or the best midfield partnership in the game really, right yeah. now, which I don't necessarily agree with. Probably I, a bit strong. I don't. Yeah. I also don't agree with uh, his statement that Roscommon have a twenty percent chance of winning. I'm not sure how one comes up with an algorithm. <laughs> I'm not sure what algorithm he used. Well, Paul is Paul is just, Rossi, Rossi he's just trying to take the pressure off Roscommon yeah, going into that game. That's that's. That's Mourinho. Oh, that is quite ridiculous. I'm, I'm the commentary box of Paul tomorrow. I'll have to put that too. <laughs> I uh, I can't see where he's he's coming up with that. Like if Ross Common have anything about them, they should have a fifty fifty chance of winning this game. Absolutely. Uh, at the very least, <clears throat> like particularly in Pierce Stadium, where Claire, I'm trying to remember, would Claire ever have set foot in the place? Podge Collins obviously would have. Yeah. But and maybe his brother, Davy O'Halloran, possibly. Would any any other member of the Claire team have? Have uh, played I, I, I in Pierce Stadium maybe, at any time? I don't think so. But like, listen, like I know there's been a se- there's a serious difference. There's a stark contrast in the Roscommon of February and the Roscommon of July. But you can get these things right, you know. You can you can regroup and you can say, look, lads, we kind of gone away from what we what our original plan is, what our philosophy is, what we want to do. Let's get back to that now. And like, 
if they get their forwards right, they haven't got their forwards combination right. Kieran Murta is the only man who stood up, the captain who's been firing. Mm. He's been he scored some imp- inspirational points against Galway, keeping his side not really in it, but you know, leaving a bit of a bit of respect yeah, on the scoreboard. Four shots on goal and four points in the first half. You know what I mean? But like something under that kind of pressure. Sennan didn't deliver. Um, Carl Craig is too far back. Well, Sennan hasn't been the answer for years. He's, he hasn't. He's no longer the answer. Donny he Shine hasn't been the answer for years. He's not the answer. I'd be surprised if Dermot Murch is not brought into the 26. But Murch, he has been training. He's only and back. He has been fit. He's only back. He's been, he's, he's part been part of training for the last three weeks. Okay. He needs to be brought into the. He does. They need that left foot because they need to just throw everything they have. Play they, every card they have now. They need to play Ender Smith in the right right position. If if Donny Smith is the man to put in there, if he's the man to bring on, bring him on in time. They've got to get their forwards right. Well, they're capable of winning this game. They absolutely they are. are. They've got quality footballers. They've got quality defenders. The, like their midfield is is they haven't got natural midfielders. They don't. Yeah. Or not natural, but not good enough natural midfielders. What do you make of this whole argument that Ross Common are still burnt out from the league? That they they concentrated too much on the league regular season and they're still p- paying the price for that? Because I personally think that's rubbish. I think I don't. I don't think that's. I totally think you can play perhaps the New York scare on the league. I'm not sure. Like coming into August almost now, that you can still be blaming results. And no. I know Ross Common aren't doing that themselves. It's people outside the camp. Look, look at how fresh they were when they finished off Sligo. When they the only people who know the answer to that question are Ross Common yeah. players and management. Really, no one will ever know outside of that group. Maybe there's a kernel of truth in it, but you're right. We're into July now, and they're still playing Championship football. And they, I'm assuming they're getting their rest and their recovery right. You would hope that they are. But I can't see them ever been in a position to use that as an excuse. Maybe when you chat to them in October, November at some sponsorship event, they no, might they'll, say... They'll be back training for the league at that stage. I yeah, haven't. But they might say then, geez, I'm look, we're, we're looking back we're now. We kind of hit our peak against Cork, for example, mm. and Kerry. And we never really recover those levels afterwards. I don't know. But I, they're playing against teams who are weeks behind them in terms yeah. of their training regimes and training schedules. It's difficult to know from speaking to you for the last few minutes which way you're leaning, Tommy. Uh, I think Clare will give them a fright but I think Roscommon will get back on track they'll get into an all-around quarter-final against probably Kerry is it Kerry just kind of yeah it's, it's looking like that isn't it I would be quite surprised if Kerry aren't playing Roscommon um, next weekend if Kerry cause, and eliminating the prospect of Kerry getting to an all-around semi-final by playing right. Clare Tip and Clare yeah. which would be something else <laughs> so I'm obviously deep down I'm rooting for Claire, but I think Roscommon are going to win this by 5-6 points uh, they would have won it by more if they had lost the first day out against Galway of course the dreaded 6 day turnaround would have come into play but also that huge huge momentum check the true cliche so to speak um, wouldn't have been in play uh, and I, I just think they've got too much quality it's a Division 1 team against a Division 3 team we will see. I think it's going to be very close. It wouldn't surprise me if Clare turned them over because they do seem to be playing with such a degree of confidence at the moment. Are you when tipping you Clare? At, not going as far as tipping them, but I wouldn't be shocked if they beat them. Mm. If I had to gun to the head, I'd go with Roscommon with an edge, but a tiny margin, I think. One or two points. I think it's going to be a very good open game, I would hope. You certainly will not see Roscommon kicking long from their own kick-outs. They're going to revert back to picking the cornerback out 25 but yards we, away. Like another thing as well, like I know Tuberty is a quality footballer and you've got Pat Burke and you've got, uh, you've got Cleary in the half-forward line and there's there's another... Who's the guy with the hair? The, the cool hair? The guy with the cool hair do? Keelan. Keelan Cawley. No, Keelan no. Sexton. Keelan Sexton. Yeah. That's it. Like... They've got decent forwards. Minor captain last year. But they haven't got oh, yeah. a Damien. Unbelievable. They haven't got a Damien Comer. They no, haven't they got don't a wrecking gonna, ball in the forward that's line. That's going to no. destroy no. the Roscommon full back line. But they have, like have a runner. Like, they have a runner like Pod you could do serious time. Roscommon, Roscommon have runners all over the field. So I just don't think that Clare have the Comer, the, the kind of the full forward that Roscommon can't handle. 
Incredible. Pat Burke, minor under twenty one and senior championship That's football for Clare last year. Keelan Saxon. It's quite something. Um, so we don't really know what we're doing. That seems to be split down the middle. The three of us. Second qualifier game. It's live and off the ball. Tip Derry. A Derry team that I've smugly wrote off a month ago as having absolutely no backbone, not believing in their manager, infighting the clubs, continuing to cost them, no standout forwards. And here lo- they are. Along came Mead. Here they are. Along came Mead and just along- provided them with the platform to get all that back. Along came the softest touch in Championship football in Mead. My heart. Um, Derry are in with a huge chance of being in the last eight. It's, it's incredible. Like Damien Barton. Well done. Well done. I was in uh, Parnell Park for Loud Mead and Barton strolled out the door with about 10 minutes to go and he would have been thinking to himself we haven't got much to worry about here against against Mead. Cavan, their 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 whole game plan, their their confidence would have been shattered by Tyrone and Derry took them. And yet, put them. like Mead in a position to win the game. This is where the character I'm talking about seems to have come from. But Derry then they, took them. Then they get reduced to 14 men and shoot themselves <laughs> in the foot. I, I think Derry have been quite fortunate by the hand they've been drawn in the qualifiers, as you say, they've got they had a, a very very wounded animal in the shape of Cavan, who also shot themselves in the foot on that day. They yeah. had Eternal Bottlers Mead, well, Eternal oh. Bottlers in the 2015 context Mead uh, on a play for them, and they had Loud as well as their other qualifier game. That's a pretty handy draw. I'm not saying Cavan is a handy draw at all, but it, it's quite a pleasant one in terms of getting to the last twelve at least. Uh, there, there are three teams that you could be expecting to meet in round one or round two of the qualifiers. Well, not Cavan, but certainly the other but two. losing mm. both games comfortably and and still having the wherewithal to look in deep inside themselves and coming together come as a team something. to actually come up with something and win the games. Yeah. I, if you told me that me to be seven up, is that what they were up? Were they seven up? Cavan were four seven, up. Seven up at half time, against yeah. Against Derry, I would have put the house on Derry not getting it out of it because I don't believe in them. Derry, but maybe it is time I started believing them. Derry there's do a lot have. of people who admire Damien Barton out there. A couple of people I've talked to who played with him, when, played against him when he was a Derry player. Really? Huge amount of respect for him, and they're not actually surprised that Damien Barton is starting to get these kind of performances out of their team. They do have players of international class, you know, Christy McCaig, Mark Lynch, James Keel's got a phenomenal left foot. Um, you know, they, they've always had quality players, but they've just been so devoid of inspiration and confidence in Ulster over the last couple of years that I like. I completely wrote them off too. You, like you couldn't not write them off. Who would they be playing in an All Ireland quarter final if they win at the weekend? They'd be playing the Connacht winners, which of right. course is Galway. Terry Galway All Ireland quarter final potentially. Unless, of course, Clare win their game and then it flips, and Derry can end up playing Kerry, right? Because Clare wouldn't be allowed to play. Are Kerry. we writing off Tip? I, 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 w- I wouldn't personally because I think that the performance against Kerry, for a lot of it, was very good. They've got Michael Quinlivan, they've got Connor Sweeney, they've got Brian Fox in the half forward line. who's had a good year. They've got Peter Axon, who's a quality footballer. Plenty of decent defenders that are quite good. Um, and against Kerry, when Kerry rolled off that bench, like Tip were never going to stay in yeah. touch with them. I think Tip are a nice team. Um, it's going to be a proper battle, but like it's a tough trip for them to have to make up the breath. Me, you know, it's going to suit Derry. It's and but at least they've had plenty of time to get themselves ready for this. I, I still think you've got to look at the likes of Endelain and Niall Toner who came off the bench for Derry last week. Two very strong players. Uh, I think they've got a lot more strength and depth. You just reminded me of it there when you were talking about Kerry rolling off players off the bench. If that's a potential Achilles heel for a tip, and that's obviously going to play in Derry's favour quite a bit. Is there a chance we could see Chrissy McCake perhaps picking up Quinlevin? Probably. Well, you'd imagine that'd be the that'd be the matchup, wouldn't you? They've two or three guys, Derry, that could really take care of 
of Michael Quinn. Rogers, Brendan Rogers. I'm fascinated by the possibility of Derry playing Galway in an All Ireland Yeah, I kind of am too. I would love to see how this Galway team does against an Ulster team in Croke Park, and it has echoes then, of course, of the last time Derry were Ulster champions when they met Galway in an All Ireland semi final and were shocked by them in '98. Isn't it remarkable to think that if Ross Common win this weekend, then either Derry, Galway, or Tipperary will be in an All Ireland semi final? Yeah, well, I suppose. At the start of the year, if you'd said that one of those three would make the last four, you'd be astonished. That's mm. the, yeah. that's well, the I suppose the, the quirks of the draw. It's the lay of the land. Mayo getting beaten was, was the one cog that unfurled all of the grass. But I, I think we need to pay a bit of attention to the king of outrage of summer 2016, a.k.a. Liam Kearns. He's really <laughs> turned it on again this year, this week with uh, Breckley Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After dealing with those blase Kerry journalists a couple of weeks ago, ah, he's similarly Liam. outraged about the, the location he's for this against game. He's bonnet about something, Liam. So that's the football. As I said, we're uh, on air from 1 o'clock tomorrow. We're going to have Michael Meehan bringing us live coverage of the Galway-Clare game. Galway. I'll be doing some stuff with him as well. Our Roscommon-Clare game in Galway. Mm. I'll be doing some stuff with Michael after the game as well. And then, of course, we've got Tip Derry Live, which is on Kingsman Breffney Park and off the ball. But at five o'clock throw and Danny Hughes will be there as well. Plus one other. I'm still working on our commentary team. So, on to Sunday. We're live from midday with the usual review of the day's sports pages. And then two o'clock, Wexford-Waterford. We'll start with the game that we have live. Seamus Hickey and Owen Kelly will be alongside me in the commentary box in Thurlis. I am intrigued by this one. Yeah. I seem to be in a minority of one. No, in terms no. Of my level of intrigue. I've been listening to you on Off the Ball. I, I heard you last have night. Have I started to convince you that Wexford have a chance here? I, like, listen, Matthew Hanlon, Lee Chin, Conor McDonald. That's a serious spine. Jeremy O'Keefe, Limog McGovern, David Dunn. Um, David been, Dunn has been, been class. singing his praises. It's but just that I've seen their last two games. Unfortunately, I've seen all three of their games. The game against Dublin was hideously poor. Of course. But they've improved steadily and against Cork that I thought they showed bottle the way they closed it out. My God, what a turnaround from that Dublin game as well. Mm. I think there's a bit of a Wexford bug going around this summer as well. They're a team I actually want to watch again now. Like, usually there's only four or five teams you actually really want to see play every week in the Hurling Championship. The same bug we caught two years ago. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, and I, I go back to that as well because we discussed it a couple of weeks ago here as well ahead of that huge Wexford-Cork game that, needless to say, Cork, they're going through a big crisis phase now as a result of really? losing that game. What do you mean? Oh, right, sorry. <laughs> uh, clearly, sarcasm isn't even prevalent through uh, facial features anymore. Um, uh, but like, similarly, if Wexford had lost that game, there would have been a big inquest in Wexford as well, I think, because as you say... Like uh, the the bug, the Wexford bug we caught in 2013 um, and the the under-21 Leinster Championships they won in 13, 14 and 15. There was a lot there for um, for Wexford to work with. Big time. And I, I think it would have been a huge disappointment had they gone out of the last round. Granted, it was Cork who traditionally would, would always beat Wexford. Yeah, they could they easily have just put it down to, sure, we never beat Cork. Exactly. But at the same time, I still think there would have been a tinge of real disappointment and, as I say, a little bit of crisis. But now, as a result, the Daniel Kearney goal came into it for me. That yeah. was the time for Wexford to go, Capitulate. we never beat Cork and today's not going to be our day. We're not as good and as the 56 team. Do you know what? I, I see it in the exact same light as I see the Tipperary footballers beating Cork footballers. They conceded a late goal as well. Mm. Cork went back in front in that game as well. And you just think, at those two moments right Tipperary footballers Wexford hurlers now is your moment to show us that you've really got balls of steel and in fairness to Wexford hurlers they really did it Lee Chin turns around puts over a, a fantastic point what straight after that and Chin has been he's surely in line for an all-star if they win this game he's a banker for an all-star oh, yeah, if they're he's getting, a colossus if the Wexford it could be in an all-around semi-final it's quite incredible couldn't get out of Division 1B again this year so I guess the biggest question is we the, we know more about Wexford than we do Waterford because we've seen Wexford put these back-to-back wins together and get a 60-year monkey off their backs. 
we don't know anything about Waterford because we haven't been in their training camp since the Munster final. How damaged are they after what happened that day? How much doubt is in the philosophy of Derek McGrath? We'll have him on the show this evening and off the ball. How much issue have the players had with him? How difficult has it been for, the, to get, for them to pick their emotions off the ground and get back to it? We don't know. I, w- I wouldn't say there's been much. I, I, I still wholly maintain that a huge part of the, the nature of getting trashed by Tipperary that day was down to Waterford's pure wastefulness in that first half. Ten wides is absolutely criminal and a lot of them weren't even like outrageous sideline pucks or whatever that they, they tried to put over the bar. They took a chance as well. They weren't as offensive as they usually have been. Yeah, I guess I guess that's a point taken as well. But I, I certainly think there's a lot of onus on the players after that Tipperary game. And it's not just Derek McGrath, but I still think we've got this very familial view of Waterford, which I think is true. And I think the players will have totally backed him up. I think going out and winning that game in the Under-21 Championship a few days later would, would have really helped mm-hmm. those five players as well. I believe in McGrath. I believe oh, I that what, well. he's been, what he's been building for the last two years. And if we believe it from here... By God, the players in that camp, they will do anything for that man. And they, they will 100%. They have bought into what he's done for the last few years. A big defeat. Like, if any team are going to steamroll you, it's going to be Tipperary. They've got that yeah. kind of bullishness about them that they're not going to stop. They're going to keep... Such a head for goals. John McGrath is going to go for goal. Michael Breen, I don't know why he didn't put money on him being goal scorer that day. He's, he, like, he's been superb breaking from midfield this year. Um, we haven't even mentioned Shamie Callan. And Shamie as well inside. It was interesting the substitutions he made in the last 10 minutes of that game. He took off his key players. Last 20 minutes even. It was almost like he was partly acknowledging that the game was done. I need to make sure these guys aren't scarred for life and they're ready to go for the next day. But it was also, you are supposedly our key men and you have let us down big style today. So I'm holding you off with 20 minutes to go and give somebody else a chance to maybe stake a claim. He started to put some real questions to these players. I'd agree with you, Tommy. I think they're going to come up with a big answer. I know I've been talking Wexford up all week because I've seen a lot of them and I like a lot of their players. But if this Waterford project has any legs in it, any gas in it, they can't get beaten this Sunday. No. We, we had an interesting chat during one of the production meetings during the week about, do we like Waterford's style of play? Do we like watching this Waterford team play? I love watching them play. Well, I like the contrast. I love Gleeson. Waterford play against Kilkenny. I love or the Manis. Or Tipperary or against a Cork, a Limerick. I enjoy watching that. I enjoy I seeing Tom Devine come on and, and drive and barrel through a couple of players and Jimmy Barron making runs from deep and young Bennett inside and... Patrick Curran, they've quality all over the place. You know, Tyg DeBurke, the way he plays his game. Um, they're, they're, they're a serious team to watch. And I do honestly think that they are so much better than they showed. Like, we, oh, we know they're so much better. It was a really bad day against the Munster, in the Munster final. And I think them type of, them lads that have been through this for the last two years, that have been building to this for the last two years, they're well fit to say, listen, let's just write that one off. But we'll bounce back from that. I don't like this whole thing of people getting pleasure out of Waterford getting beaten in the fashion oh. they did. Uh, so I need to state that before I say that watching the second half of the game against Tipperary was enjoyable, but not in the sense of getting pleasure from seeing yeah. Waterford get ripped apart. It was enjoyable from a purely fascination side of like things. Like, what's going on here? Like, how can this seemingly, not flawless, but a, a thing built on uh, very well thought out plans and preparations, Yeah, can it, how can it get torn to shreds like this so very quickly uh, in the space of 10 minutes? Like that was utterly fascinating and uh, by default enjoyable. And I, I don't like the fact people are, are calling that game enjoyable. Uh, but who was calling it enjoyable? Real hurling men? Yes, of course. But the self-professed uh, real hurling yeah. men. 
um like i i really do like i agree with you with both of you and what you're saying about waterford and putting out a big performance this weekend i think if derek mcgrath shows any of the the on-pitch tactical pragmatism that he's shown in 2016 and 2015 uh then i think he's got some dressing room know-how as well and i think if he puts that pragmatic use inside in terms of dealing with the players they'll be all right yeah, I'd love to see them do well in this year's championship. I lived there for a year and a half at the beginnings of my oh, yeah. broadcasting career. And that was the, my, the first year I was down there was when they got to the All-Ireland Final and there was just such wow. an air of enthusiasm around. The problem with losing to Tipperary is that they've probably put a ceiling now on making further progress this year than they did last year. Because you do feel that regardless of what happens this Sunday, they've got no chance of getting to an All-Ireland Final. Now that's up to them to prove us wrong, obviously. They have to get over Wexford first. I think Wexford are going to have to shoot the lights out on Sunday. I think they're probably going to have to rack up about 218 maybe against a a Waterford team that you would soon will revert to type. We'll go back to that really watertight system that they've had to this point. So that'll make it very awkward for Wexford. But they have the runners, you see. They They have the guys that can draw the freeze and allow Conor McDonald to rack up 113 on his own. Like a McDonald sneaks a couple and of goals. he never misses. Is misses. there a better free taker in the oh. country? Like even well, Pouring Mahoney showed that he has got some issues on, huge flaws. on well, his day Mahoney last free taking. Mahoney before he broke the leg he was racking up incredible was, numbers. But McDonald the last day scored 13 and didn't miss one. Tony Kelly? But even Kelly isn't. Is he even Claire's first choice free taker? I suppose you got I a mean, point. Yeah, big time, big time. Yeah, McDonald's just their go-to man. He is, yeah, it's quite incredible. incredible for a guy who's so young, and he seems to be able to deal with all kinds of pressure. I can't remember. Is he, is he twenty yet? Oh, he is. Yeah, okay. last year was his. La- okay. or, was it this year? Was his last year under twenty-one? Or the last year or this year? This year, I think. Actually, yeah, he yeah. won three Leinster under twenty-one. Well, so he's twenty-one oh, yeah. now. Superb, superb. But he, it's his fourth year with the seniors. He made his debut in two thousand thirteen. It's quite incredible. So I'm, I'm looking forward to Sunday very much so because I think Wexford can bring a real air of freshness to any hurling campaign as they did in twenty fourteen. The biggest problem they had in twenty fourteen was that they were on the road every week due to the replay against Clare. Yeah, and they beat Waterford then, and you just thought. They're going to take Limerick in this All-Ireland quarter-final and they just ran up against a wall physically and mentally. And a good Limerick team, which showed two weeks later what it was capable of and probably should have beaten Kilkenny in that rainy day in Croke Park. Whether they've got enough about them to beat Waterford on Sunday, I'm not sure, but I do believe that either way it's going to be a really interesting game. Maybe Waterford to shade it because I I think we're all in agreement that they have a big performance in them and they need it. So that's the first game. Claire Galway, equally fascinating. Oh, can't wait for this That's one. at four o'clock. These sides don't like each other, so the, the saying goes, Gerlach Nan was mouthing off of course after he was. the uh, Leinster hurling final. They have faced each other in this round of the championship a couple of times over the last few years, and it's um, it's been feisty. And the usual question on Galway, what is their story? Have they got a big performance in them after what we saw in the second half against Kilkenny? It's perfect Tipperary game from last year territory. Is it not? A little bit, yeah. I, I just think that they could absolutely shoot the lights out. Uh, and you've, they absolutely uh, as you've could. already alluded to, you ask yourself the same question about Galway before every game as you do about France pre every game of the Six Nations. <laughs> which side is going to show up? Which France will but, show up and where are they going to play but, <laughs> Joe Canning? But that Loch Nan uh, thing has just been the storm of the summer, uh, without a doubt. Poor Jared. Give him a break. And a lot of people have been writing about how it's had just as much of an impact on Clare as it's had on Galway. But what I don't understand then, by extension, is that why Galway are talking about it in the way they are in the media. They're saying to journalists things like, oh, we're not letting it get inside our heads at all. We, we don't care about what the media say. They should be playing this thing up. If it's going to get to Clare, then play this thing up. Make it way bigger than it really needs to <laughs> well, be. Well, let's go back to what Gerard Lockdown said. He, the, the basis of it being that Galway are gutless. 
Now, he'd just watched Galway again put themselves into a winning position against the best team in Ireland and allow it to get away from them for the upteenth time in what the last he, five years. What would he call me, though, under? Well, he probably wouldn't even have a word to describe me. Go on, we aren't playing in all Ireland finals. It, there is an argument to be made that Galway don't have the stomach for the second half scrap. The only time they've shown they can do it over the last two years oh. is against Tip. I don't know. But it's, it's not like, beyond, Can you say that not, collectively a group of players don't have the stomach? Like, there's something going wrong at half time. Like, there's something going wrong. How, how, can, how can a group... Because maybe they don't have the <coughs> stomach for it, for a win, to hold on to a winning position. But now, how, they're not how the how only team not? that have been turned over by Kilkenny having led against them. Like, it's Kilkenny they're up against. Like. Yeah, it's, it's, and it's Richie, it's, it's, you know, it's Richie Hogan who's coming on and changing that game in the first five minutes. And it's the lads going, balls, it's the same thing again as last year. You know, and that can happen to a team in a couple but of minutes. You in. would think that they, they must be the most physically honed hurling team I've ever seen. They are a mountainous side goalie. Every time I'm standing on a sideline at a league game or in a championship match and they run it from the tunnel and pass me, I'm bowled over, almost physically bowled over, <laughs> by the sheer <laughs> physical brutishness. You were listening off the ball last team. night. Dave McIntyre's a tough man to knock down. <laughs> yeah, well, that's all talk. Unless you're in but a chipper until the morning. I just wonder why Richie Hogan, I'm not, I'm not looking for a cheap shot. But as soon as he was brought on, they knew he was coming on ah, yeah. like before the ball was thrown in for the second half. Immediately, someone is detailed what would Tom to Cribben, sort him out. What would Tom Cribben have told his players if, he was, if Richie Hogan was up Just against them? sort him out. Don't allow Richie Hogan, the, one of the best players we've ever seen, to take a grasp of and this game and the first the game. Like he just Richie Hogan come on and he just moved about that park. He swung over a couple of scores, made a block and he just, he just said, listen, go away. And Richie Hogan That's has it. to be the Tony Kelly of... Or Tony Kelly has to be the Richie Hogan of this Sunday's Big game. Time. I don't think any of us really expect a Galway to do it even at halftime the no, last day. Well, like, isn't that even maybe part of what Jer is saying? Yeah, They're leading by four points here and none of us expect them to win the game. That's that's saying an awful lot. It's a lot of it down to just a mental block against Kilkenny rather than a mere I deficiency pers- in the gut department. I personally think that's what it is. I think the scars of um, losing that, that replayed All-Ireland is still with a lot of this team. Like, there hasn't been a massive turnover in that team. Well, I don't know. We've seen them unravel many times over the last five years. I mean, that day where they had looked like they had Tip's number and then were outscored horrendously in the last 15 yeah. minutes of the game down in Thurles. The, the Leinster final against Dublin, for example, that's only three years ago. What happened to them that day? The but game at, at, that they had to win this year in the league when they played Cork at Hena. I know, two late goals. All, and they weren't able to hold on to that one either. The Kilkenny games are not outliers. This happens regularly and that's why the Tipperary game and the manner in which they finished it off having been battered by Seamus Callanan was such a surprise. Yeah, but like it's not really the the point I'm trying to make it's not the individual games it's more the whole narrative because as you said they rebounded against Tipperary last year they did the same against Dublin last year after that shattering defeat what was it a year previous or two years previous Um, so they've done that they've come back the last thing they just have to check off their box is Kilkenny once they get that, there could there could even be a couple of Lee McCarthy's in this Galway team. Well, of course, they win on Sunday. There's a very good chance that they could be playing playing Kilkenny in an All Ireland final. Yeah. And the thing about Galway is, like I say, you know, they're four points up and no one thinks they're going to win the game. Yeah. But at the same time, despite all the water that's gone on the bridge, they face Tip in an All Ireland semi final. There's going to be a queue of people back yeah. in there to beat. Absolutely, tip. absolutely. <laughs> it's just they are just such an enigmatic entity, and it's not a cliche to say it about Galway. Most cliches are true. And I mean, this is this it go away. I kind of su- summed that up completely. Listen, this is the time to switch it on. So, what about Claire? So, we'll, we'll give Claire the last word. We don't know if Davey's going to be on the sideline yet. You would hope that he is. Hopefully, he is. But if he's not, I don't think it's any bad thing because Step. they love their manager so much. They're thinking Absolutely. this has to be done for Davey. 
and would it be better to have Donal Ogue as the man, uh, well, instead of screaming instructions from the sideline, side I suppose, issuing them in a more calm and collected manner? So so the, for, the narrative, for the narrative of the summer, having Donal Ogue dictate a win against Galway would be quite something. He would have usurped the king himself. <laughs> but I do think that's being unfair to Davey yeah. yeah, of 2016. I've yeah. seen a lot of changes. No, that is true. Oh, there's been a lot of changes, and some serious changes. He's spent so much more time in conversation with Donal Cusack. He really has. That kind of time that in the past he would have spent bellowing at officials and referees and opposition players and supporters and his own players. He's far more and maybe that's because his doctor has told him he absolutely needs to be a little more reserved on the sideline but he certainly seems to be a lot more conservative and meticulous on the sideline than he, he has was, been in the past. He was telling Joe we had him on a couple of weeks ago that he has a heart rate monitor and that is you know he has managed to keep it down this year so like it's obvious that there's been some serious changes in his in his outlook on the game his his approach to to the, to the Clare side this year I really like Clare like I've always liked Clare but I've really liked him this year um, they obviously didn't fire against against Waterford in the championship but and they took an age to put Limerick away they did mm. but I just think that they have a lot in them they have a lot well, in. They've a star still at fifteen. Simple as that. I, I just think going back to the Davy thing again, it just seems like much more of a duo on the sideline this year. He, like he's come mm-hmm. in, uh, whatever his official tag is, perhaps assistant manager. He's not much of an assistant. He's a co-manager, really. Yeah. He, he's. Oh, he would be. He's kind of like the Ross Common lads almost on the sideline. Mm. That the fact that he's there and as you said, it's a two-way discussion. It's but not, that, that it's, seems to be really working. Like I, I would yeah. have, I would have reservations. I would imagine that it could be differences of opinion in Roscommon and that could be kind of muddling up their game plan and Clare it seems like the lads are really working well together yeah it does well sure Don Logan stayed over at Davies house a, a, a few nights times, as, yeah. he, as Davies said in the interview last week you just want to call it so oh it's hard on the call I'm going to go with uh, I want Clare to win but I'm going to say go away I think it'll be Clare just I think I would side with Clare just about but <laughs> if Galway win this game with 10 points <laughs> Who's surprised? Nobody's Nobody. surprised. Because Galway or Galway, don't you know? Um, it is a great day in the GA calendar. I think it's one of the greatest things that's happened the All-Ireland Hurling Football Championship is this quarterfinals day. You really love it, don't you? Every, every year I he look said it to seven this times in the last 14 hours on off I've the ball. I've said it seven times <laughs> in the last four years that I've been covering these games. I know I you have. I absolutely yeah, love yeah. the All-Ireland quarterfinals because you've got four teams arriving up in Semple Stadium absolutely, yeah. with the rest of the summer still ahead of them. You know, you're thinking any of these coming in here, maybe Bar Wexford, um, they they would dearly love to make a semi final. But the other three will think we get out of here, we can win the All Ireland. Big time. That's the importance of this mm. day. Sun usually shines. There's usually some controversy, and the buzz around the press box is incredible because you've got obviously national radio stations in RT and News Talk there. You've got the locals, the TV stations, and you've got four different local radio stations yeah. all crammed into the little commentary booths in the eve of the roof of the main stand in Semple Stadium. It is quite something. Just be thankful it's not uh, the Gaelic grounds. Yes, well, there'll be more there than there would have been the Gaelic grounds. Although Gaelic grounds is one of the best commentary positions we have on news talk in this country. It's actually not a bad spot to do a game from at all. Lads, it's been a pleasure. Cheers, Dave. We'll be back next Friday for the. Off the Ball Friday GA podcast. We will also, of course, be back from one o'clock tomorrow for Off the Ball. We'll be live from Tip Derry in Kingsman Refney Park, and then we have Waterford Wexford live at two o'clock Sunday afternoon in the company of Seamus Hickey and Owen Kelly. All of our GA coverage on Off the Ball brought to you with thanks to Borgosh Energy, proud sponsors of the All Ireland Under Twenty One Hurling Championship. We'll chat to you tomorrow, and of course, we'll be back next Friday with the next staging of this podcast. Have a good weekend.
The Friday GAA Podcast, with thanks to GAA Go, official home for live and on-demand GAA match streaming worldwide. Goal on here, goal chance for Conor McGrath, surely give it in, Conor. Mackie heading it towards the 21 metre line. Key Mackie still going. Go. 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 Go.